Okay, we want to welcome those who are joining us online. And we are currently in Romans 13. And really the focus of these chapters, 12, the first part of 13, has so far has been our walk in Christ. Actually living out the Christian life. We have been given so much. It was all talked about in Romans 1 through 8. Uh, We've been given justification, sanctification, the Holy Spirit living inside of us, the peace of God, His grace that can reign in life. So many things. Now it's time to practice it and live it out. So, so far in the first couple verses or first couple chapters, 12 and 13, we've talked about relationships, how to respond to insults and hurts. And last week relating to the government. So this week we want to finish Romans 8, verses 8 through 14. Let me read it. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this, saying... You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Do this, talking about loving, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, lay us, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, nor, not in sexual pros, promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lust. Okay, so let's just kind of read verses 8 through 10 once more to start with. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not do wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay, so many times we see this theme of loving one another in the scriptures. Um, In the New Testament, usually it refers to agape love. We've talked about this before. There's in Greek, there's a number of different words for love. This is the one that means God's love. It's a selfless love. It's uh, well, first Corinthians 13 talks about it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't boast. It's uh, it's uh, it believes the best. It's just so many things about God's love. And here's the thing is that when we become born again, God's love begins to flow into our hearts. And eventually, the idea is it's to flow out of our hearts and starts touching other people. 
Now, that's the way God intended it. It doesn't always happen that way. But that is God's intention for this agape love. And you could do a study. You could find that almost every one of the New Testament books has at least one passage about agape love. Now, in the past, in the Old Testament, it was kind of a a watered-down love. But this is agape love. And clearly, this is the distinguishing characteristic about being a disciple of Jesus. Some mistakenly think that being a disciple and the priority is knowing the Bible the best. Or how often we go to church or church activities. Now, by the way, these are good things. Or sacrifice. Like 1 Corinthians 13 says, we could sacrifice our bodies to be burned at the stake. And yet, if we don't have love, it doesn't matter. We can have faith to kind of move mountains. But if we don't have love, it doesn't really make any difference. We can give all the money to the poor, all our money. And that could be a nice thing to do. But if we don't have love, it doesn't really count. Sometimes people think, well, being a disciple is how tough we can be towards sin and sinners. No, that's not in the scriptures either. John 13. Jesus, he's really, it's his last night, the night that he was betrayed. He just done the Lord's Supper with them and he gathers his disciples around. And in verse 34 and 35, he says, a new commandment. Now it's new because all of a sudden he says it's love, agape love. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. Okay, so two things he changed. One, he said, it's a, um, it's, it's, um, you know, how much we have agape love. And then he says, it's also as much as we're supposed to have that same type of love that Jesus had for us. And by the way, how much love did Jesus have for us? A lot, right? So much he gave his his life for us. So he says here, this is a new commandment. He doesn't say it's a suggestion. He doesn't say it's an option. He actually says it's a commandment. First John, we won't go there today, but it says that the proof that we're truly born again is that we know agape love. So he says, again, he says, love your neighbor. You know, uh, um, let me get it back here. How does it say it exactly? He says, uh, um, he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Now, you might say, well, who's my neighbor? Actually, someone asked Jesus that question once. Remember? And it's, in fact, it says that in seeking to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is our neighbor? And how did Jesus respond? He told a story about what? The Good Samaritan. Right. So basically, his answer was, 
Everybody's your neighbor. You know, including those who are not like us. So Romans 13 here, it says, if we love one another, we fulfill the law. So actually all the commandments, they could be summed up in love one another. Love our neighbor. Now, that is remarkable because there's a lot of there's a lot of commandments. There's a lot of laws. Now, of course, some of the laws have to do with the sacrifices and all that. And we know that Jesus fulfilled that. But all the other laws can be summed up in what? Love one another. By the way, this is not said of any other quality, but love. Verse 10, it says, love does no wrong. That is, it is always the right thing to do. You know, should I love this person or not? We know the answer. You should love this person. We also see that love casts out all fear. First John 4, verse 18. I think we have it up here. It says, there's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. So if you're fearful, somehow what you need is more love. So it does no, it does no wrong. Love casts out all fear. First Peter 4, 8 says it covers a multitude of sins. Let's read that. First Peter 4, 8. It says, um, uh, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. See, every book of the Bible in the New Testament has at least some passages, it seems. Because love covers a multitude of sins. People sin. Sometimes people sin against us. And the enemy wants to always use these sins that we do against one another to divide us. But if we have a copy of love... It kind of covers it all over. So love does no wrong. It casts out all fear. It covers a multitude of sins. Another thing love does, it breaks down walls. In this world, people put up walls. For a lot of different reasons. Sometimes to protect themselves. Um, There's whole peoples of the world who've kind of put up walls against the gospel. There are intellectual walls, by the way. There's cultural walls. There's religious walls. There's walls of bitterness and resentment. Sometimes these walls have taken years, maybe even decades, to be built up. And when a person has walls, they cannot hear spiritual truth. We've probably all kind of talked to people who we something's been so clear to us and we try to share it with someone else and what it just kind of like eh, it goes in one ear out the other it just kind of bounces off doesn't it and the the our reaction shouldn't be to get upset at them they truly cannot hear or see spiritually there's probably some type of wall there maybe it's intellectual maybe it's cultural or traditional maybe it's religious it could be, maybe it's bitterness. It could be a lot of different walls. But agape love can and will bring down these walls to a person 
where a person can hear the gospel. And that's one of the reasons why God says over and over in his word, this has to be what we do. You know, last week we talked the first part of Romans um, 13 about responding correctly to government. How can we be a light in this world? And, you know, I think it's easy to conclude this is kind of really hard. It's almost impossible. And it is, except for the fact that God's love flowing through us can make a difference. It can, it can break down the walls that people have against us where they're enemies. You know, the answer isn't to fight back. It's to what? It's to love. You know, the world talks a lot about love. But it's impossible outside of re, a living relationship with Jesus to love. Actually, there's a movie, a documentary, I think is what they call it. And I saw it advertised. It was at Dillon. It was one of these one night only things. I can't remember the name of it. But I looked at the trailer. I kind of read about it. And basically, it's about, hey, we live in a divided world. And what we really need is love, love, love. And, uh, you know, as I kind of looked at it, I thought, you know, the problem with this, they're right. This is what the world needs. I commend them for that. But they just feel like, well, we just have to just start doing it. And the problem is we can't just do it, can we? None of us can. It only happens as what? His life fills us and his life flows out through us. But I, I bring this up to kind of say, the world is looking for it. And we've been given this ability to love. That doesn't mean that we are, but that's what we're called to do. It's only possible as we're walking, as we're abiding in him. And when we do that, his love begins to flow out to others. Okay, let's look at verse 11 and 12. Do this. What is this? Love one another, right? Knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of life. Basically, it's time for us to wake up out of our complacency our comfortable routines of life, our living like everybody else. God is calling us to be different, to wake up. And we see this theme of wake up or arise all throughout the scriptures. Ephesians um, 5. It's here somewhere. Ephesians 5. Starting in verse 14, it says, for this reason, it says, awake sleeper and arise from the dead. Now, he's not literally talking about those who are dead, but those who are kind of dead as far as loving. Right. OK. Arise, sleeper, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. 
So then do not be do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. It's to love one another. We need to wake up. Isaiah 60, starting in verse 1, kind of says the same thing. Arise, shine. Why? For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth. This, by the way, is the prophetic of the end times. We can read that by looking at the rest of the chapter. And is that happening today? Yes, it's covering the earth. And deep darkness, the peoples. But, I like that. I actually have it circled in my Bible. But the Lord will rise upon you. And his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about. And see, they all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar. And your daughters will be carried in the arms. As we wake up. As we begin to arise, when we begin to be who God has called us to be, then people will notice. We actually become a light when that happens. A light in this dark, dark world. So the command here in Romans 13 is wake up, look around you and begin to walk in the things that I've called you to. Like love one another. Be the people. That you were called to be. We've been called to live a different way of life. Than what the world's living. Okay, let's go back to Romans 13. Verse 12 and 13. The night is almost gone. And the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness. And put on the armor of light. Verse 13. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. Let's just kind of stop right there. We are called, it says, to lay aside the deeds of darkness. Why? Because we're not of the darkness anymore. We're called to be light in this dark world. And as we were reminded in Isaiah 60, The world's getting darker. Philippians 2, verse 15. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. Children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. That's where we're living. Among whom you appear as lights in the world. We're lights. Therefore, we're told to behave properly. Or to walk properly. That's how we become lights. We're called to love. You can say love is the fuel for our lamps. And it mentions three things here where our behavior is very important. One, it says, not in carousing and drunkenness. And I think that's just talking about we cannot allow ourselves to slide into a total lack of self-control, a loss of self-dignity. We cannot let the emotions and the lust of the moment rule in our life. Where we just don't worry about the consequences of what's 
you know, uh, for tomorrow. And then he says, not in sexual pros- promiscuity and sensuality. There's a whole message there. But the, again, it's the lust of the moment of the lust of the moment. Again, they can rule. And the result is always what? Hurt, shame, ache, loneliness, resentment. You know, it's certainly not being alert and sober-minded, like it says in Ephesians 5. And then it says, not in strife and in jealousy. You know, we saw back in Romans 12 that we're not to be fighters and fighting this and fighting that, you know, and people... You know, it destroys friendships that Jesus died to give us. That's the way of the world. It destroys peace and joy, contentment. It's not light, it's darkness. So we stay away from all strife and jealousy. And then verse 14, kind of summing it up here, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision For the flesh in regard to its lust. A great summary. What does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus? The Lord Jesus Christ. We allow his life to reign in me. To control my steps. My actions, my thoughts, my words, my attitudes. Every day and every hour. Make it a daily habit. Maybe even... Several times a day. Lord, I want to put on you. You died for me. You came into my life. I want you to live through me. And then he says, and make no provision for the flesh. We know the lust of the flesh. It can be powerful, right? But because of that, we have to guard our hearts. We have to guard our minds. We don't give the flesh... An entrance into our lives. That's, that's another way you could say. Make no provision for the flesh. Because sin. If you kind of give him a little bit. He's going to go. You know he's going to go full steam into our life. So therefore we watch. What goes into our minds. Our hearts. And that can be music. It can be conversations. It can be what we watch as far as. Movies and television. But we make no provision of the flesh. See, God has called us to live differently from the world. We're called to be lights in the midst of a world of darkness. God has set us free from sin. The power of sin. He has poured, well, Romans 5, remember it says he's poured his love into our hearts. And the idea is that it flows out. Therefore, we are to love one another. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, this, this passage here is just, it, it's got to be one of my favorites in Romans. It's so simple. It's that we've been called to love, even as you have loved us. Lord, we acknowledge that in our flesh, we cannot do it. It is impossible. And Lord, even with those that we are closest to, our love is, it tends to kind of be self-centered. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would wake us up 
and help us to rise above just living in the flesh. That rather, Lord, we would live in your spirit as we talked about in Romans 8 and that you would allow, Lord, that you would let your love flow into us and through us and therefore we can be lights in this world. Thank you, Lord. We ask these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.